Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello. Hello. Hello, Christine. Hello. Hello. Um, goodbye. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Night, um, night. <laughs> well, night. What's going on? How are you? Today's going to be a weird episode. I can already feel How it. How do you know? Because I know, but I didn't know if you knew. I already know because, uh, as you know, well, they think it was a week ago, but as of yesterday, I was like debilitatingly ill. Mm. And then I slept for a very very long time last night and i refused to wake up until i felt better <laughs> i just like i love doing that where you're like no sleep more you like just, force yourself to sleep more i pulled pulled an ultimatum on my own body and so i went to sleep at 6 p.m and i woke up at what 9 45 a.m so i just truly slept Jeez. almost a whole i just ref- i was like i don't even care if i'm wide awake i'm closing my eyes until i'm tired again and then i finally woke up and i'm i'm good we're I'm so all- proud of you that's amazing okay. Thank you, because you saw me yesterday. I was not doing hot. I've seen so, you every day. <laughs> you have. It's been a it's been a road. So anyway, now that I've got all my energy back, and oh, I also dear. slept for like fifteen hours, I have a lot to offer. So Jeez. Oh, okay, um, good I for you. None of us asked for it, but thank you for offering. You're welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you. I also feel the energy buzzing, it buzzing for back, lack of a better word. Oh, There's... that was our energy texting me. Whoops. Was that a text? I was like, wow, you really just emulated the sound of your text message perfectly. I? I thought pretty... that was pretty It was pretty good, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I have a lot to say. Okay. Okay. So yeah, the first... floor is yours. Okay. First of all, um, I received, uh, I haven't mentioned this uh, ever, but I'd like to finally give a shout out to my secret Santa, Taryn who sent me this cozy blankie. Ooh, what's big, on it? It's like a big dragonfly. Oh, fun. I don't know. I just was like, oh, cute, a cool blanket. And then 
I've just become so obsessed with it. Like, I don't know what it is, but now it's my studio blanket and I always have it and it's very soft and I keep it up here in my office. This was for the, and that's why I drink, I think it was a Patreon secret Santa. I'm not sure. But, um, and I got to send a gift to someone named Siobhan, which I know is a name we've talked about on the show. Hi, Siobhan. Um, not that specific Siobhan, obviously, but, um, yeah. What did, so what, was did, a... what did you get Siobhan? Um, so we oh can gosh. judge your gift giving. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Just like a whole mishmash or like a a big box a couple things from their wish list because i was like okay i want to get them stuff they actually want but then of course i put all sorts of fun uh you know i secretly anonymously asked if they had any pets and so i added some stuff for the cats and um it was a good time i i just love doing it and um our our pal jess you know he headed it up this year or i guess it was last year um in december and so i'm delayed but i just wanted to say thank you for that and then um m mm -hmm. can you ask me why i drink <gasps> yes why do you drink it's like the well, first time you've ever been uh invited to do that i love when i get to interact when i'm asked to interact because i always have the social anxiety of like do you really want me to do this but then okay. when you ask i doubt that i always have the me. social anxiety i'm like since when uh i just man mine just manifests in me acting like i really I try to really pull off the confidence thing. I see. I see. So anyway, why do you drink? I'm really into birds right now. Well, I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, re I'm really into birds right now. All right. And here, for those of you who uh, are not on YouTube, Christine just whipped out a fucking compendium of <laughs> birds of Kentucky. <laughs> and I don't. I should ask where you got that from, but I honestly, you could have just found it on the side of the road and been like, I'm taking it home. They do have so. a couple of those free libraries on the side of the road. It's very possible. Um, no, I, I'm just what, really what happened. I'm really what nervous. Right now. Just, How did we get here is what I'm trying to ask. You What's know, the it's story? It's been a long and storied road. I, let's go back to the beginning when I was young. No, I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give you a whole spiel, but I was always very afraid of birds and for good reason. My stepmom took me to turn Island when I was probably 12. Uh, I was like 13 mm -hmm. and turn Island is like a habitat where they rehabilitate, uh, turns T E R N, which are like this sea bird. Mm. It's sort of like a seagull. And we arrived on this Island and my brother faked sick that day. So it was just me, my stepmom, my dad, and then a couple other people. We took a little boat out to Turn Island. And oh. then the moment we arrived, they handed us all pointed sticks. No. And they said, the birds know that humans' weaknesses are their eyes. And Shut I said, the fuck excuse up. me? Your brother was so smart to he bail. He talks about it to this day. He's like, remember that time I made you go to Turn Island by yourself? <laughs> He he really, I mean, I can't think of a to be like, mm, all of that sounds bad. And for you, who's terrified of birds to go, I'm still going to go. I couldn't know? get out of it. Like, he literally pulled the card so aggressively that he had a stomach ache that, like, I couldn't also bail. He took all of that energy. You know what I mean? Like, he took the, like, play sick card that day. And my stepmom was like, we already bought the tickets. They were so expensive. So I had to go. And... That Christmas, my stepmom gifted me this giant wooden turn. And I like, I like dropped it. I was so afraid when I opened it. And we had to wear hats with flowers on them to blend in to the botany on the island so that they wouldn't see us and go for our eyeballs. It was so upsetting. And 
I've always been afraid of crows as well because they're very smart and they have facial recognition software. That's what I call it. And they know. <laughs> well, birds aren't real, right? We've, we're all Birds on board are also with that. not real. That's, yeah, that's exactly. That's the underlying current of all yeah, this for yeah, yeah. sure. For sure. Uh, but so the, anyway, the point is I've always been afraid of birds. And so this year I was like, let's look inward and really think about this issue. Because I, I love animals. And I'm like, why do I not like birds? I always used to say I hate birds. And now I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe there's something to it. Like, they're so smart, but that's really cool. So now I'm just embracing it. And and I found a couple birds on TikTok that, like, some crows that know how to do, like, shape games. And they're very freakishly smart. They bring you presents. Um, and so I'm really into birds right now. And then I found that um, that thing I told you about where I got my, my mother-in-law that bird buddy where it like the ring mm -hmm. doorbell basically takes pictures of the birds that show up and it's extremely expensive so i've been considering buying myself one maybe as a birthday gift because it comes out in june um yeah so that's that anyway um i'm really into birds right now why do you drink because i'm because is it because i'm really into birds right now it's because i'm not into birds right now and <laughs> it's probably gonna stay that way well um, you know i'm also into possums all the things that you're not into i kind of glom onto everything it seems like a stand with you. Like you're just it's like not. I just <laughs> am enjoying animals. Leave me alone. I know, but it's almost as if you only you know how to pre-select the things that you're going to be invested in that I have no interest in. Okay, like... well, what, okay. What are you interested in? I'm interested in elephants. Okay, uh, birds. Okay, possums. What, just dogs. I, feel like every, I mean, every like, time what... it's a every time it's a random animal it's a new well, animal I'm sorry What's is, next there, week? is there a very selective list that you follow of the only animals i'm supposed to be interested in well i feel like because i, cause I don't just like golden retrievers i don't like fish i feel like uh i will not be surprised the day you become a big fish person no oh well that changed it up okay although hang on it's not entirely true because i do like octopi octopuses mm -hmm. and squids. i'm fine They're with that because they're very smart. I mean, I don't want to interact with one, but I'll look at it and not be fully disgusted. They're cool. Yeah, I'm impressed with how smart they are and how they can get in through like a keyhole and shit. That yeah, and an octopus but can also, open a jar. But I also, can't even open a jar. Well, they have eight arms, to be fair. That's, That's true. If we had eight arms, we could probably open a lot of things, too. Excellent point. All at the same time. That's right. Um, I... As long as you don't get involved in fish and make me go to like an aquarium with you, we're probably nah. solid. But other than that, you do whatever you want. Thank you. But also, I don't want to be involved with this bird nonsense or the possum really? nonsense. Yeah, not at all. But Eva does. <laughs> I know she does. I know. I feel her energy <laughs> vibrating through the screen. And it's always, I think what I hate is like, it's the, the, is that you and Eva always team up on it. Like as oh, soon as. Teaming up, you're invited. You just reject the invitation. I feel it's like just, you frame it as like, oh, we're just not allowing you into the club. And that's not true. I don't think that. Okay. But it is weird that the, uh, as soon as one of you like said the word possum, the two of you became obsessed with possums. Well, and I'm like, yeah. how did that happen? How what happened? How did it not happen? I mean, it's I'm just. Probably because you guys travel together um, when we're on tour and like. I've been like I usually like will stay in my hotel room so I think the two of you just like form bonds when I'm not in the room no, and, that, I and then I show up and all of a sudden like you have everything possum and no, bird and I, I'm like I'll be honest I don't I think for that maybe it was that but in general I think even I just have a very similar you do outlook on like very specific Everything. things <laughs> like like food we have very very similar outlooks on like food and beverage like alcohol food 
uh, and then animals. I feel like we have very similar. Like we Your even interests... found out we like support the same shelter. You know, like this like monthly donations. And you like the same video games. You read the same books. Like everything interest wise. We have you... a very similar palette taste for life palette yes that's uh-huh, a great uh-huh. way to put it yes yeah, and so yeah. and you're always invited but like you're it's just not your jam but my palette is the complete opposite so every time you yeah. guys are into something i'm like oh but brother, you guys have marvel thing. i don't know nothing about that but you we guys don't have marvel we don't have marvel though we had marvel during quarantine and then Eva got a girlfriend and never watched a single Marvel production again. <laughs> okay, now we're just going on it's Eva. It's the okay. truth and she knows it. Okay. I have been saying we got your girlfriend watches them with you, all right? Come That's on. true. But Eva and I, we went through a phase where we watched everything uh, together and then she would not watch one of the shows. And she knows, <laughs> I know she's listening to us right now and she knows exactly she wrote, what's happening. Bahaha in the group chat. <laughs> I don't know what that was uh, directed toward. Maybe all of the above. I think all of the above. Because I really, <laughs> we were we were very on board and like we weren't watching things until we watched them together and things like that. And then like one show she could not get through and now, and okay, now she's very um, far behind. Maybe consider something. Hmm. Maybe it's because she was trying to get on board with your interests, right? Mm-hmm. And like you've never tried to get on board with our interests, you know, you've never been on board with the opossum thing. Um, not even, in fact, you've been off board, like so far off board. <laughs> you've been like floundering on a life raft far okay. away and That's saying, I point. refuse to come back aboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I have, I have offered to tread in the ocean while you yeah. ship away. Okay. That's fair. That's a good and point. And I want to, I want to um, also, give because we've never even talked about this people are probably like what are you talking about opossums real quick and i am i'm not i'm not gonna make this a big thing i promise but eva found this store in new orleans and long story short uh eva got robbed at dinner and like had to get a new her fanny pack got stolen along with our her cards and our business card it was just like a real on halloween by the way um and it was like a really tough time and then she discovered this store okay um based on sesame the opossum and who was like a uh a um what do you call it what is wrong with me oh an instagram possum like a a celebrity possum (laughs) i'm like what do you call it an instagram possum that's right that's the word uh a social media a socialite a media socialite. socialite yeah and unfortunately he passed away but um there are this the owner or the the person who helped like rehabilitate sesame now rescues other possums and takes care of them and has a store in new orleans and if you go to new orleans you you freaking have to go to the store okay it's called coco alley vegan boutique they sell like every the store you walk in and the store is just like possums like you're drowning in possums and one of one of my good friends julio is like obsessed with possums so of course i went in and i bought him like one of everything to the point where i walked out of the store i couldn't carry all my bags and then ha- halfway down the block they came back out and they were like you forgot some of your bags inside and i'm like oh my god i like went too wild but then guess what the owner came to our live show and like came backstage and we were hoping there might be a little baby possum in her pocket because sometimes she takes them with her but there was no possum in her an pocket. opossum in her pocket <laughs> an opossum in her pocket um but anyway coco alley vegan boutique is amazing um eva even got me like a, a ouija board possum canvas that i'm gonna hang up right here behind me um anyway so i just feel like we they deserve a shout out um everything in their store is vegan also and they have some art of other animals that maybe m would be slightly more into question mark i don't know 
Oh no. M froze. Alright, M like bailed on the conversation and quit <laughs> Zoom. Not really, but it felt that way. And you my, were right to do so because I was talking too much. My computer glitched and I apparently fell out of Zoom, but it looked like I just waltzed away from just the conversation. Like, just, <laughs> the screen just went black. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, this is the next thing I wanted to say. I know, guys, I'm almost done, I promise. Um, the next thing I wanted to say is that I have kind of a ghosty story. M was there, so it, it's probably not that exciting, but it meant something to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this just leads right into it because we were on a podcast recently uh, called The Witching Hour with Patty Negri. Mm-hmm. She was a delight. We had so much fun. Uh, a peach. She's a, a peach. peach. And hilarious, too. And so you should go ch- check that out. But, like, right as... W- so the morning before we recorded, I was at my dad's house fixing something for him because he's out of town. And I saw a picture of my grandma. And I hadn't thought about her in a while. And I saw the photo. And in my head, I said, hey, Oma, I'm going to be talking to a psychic medium later today. So if you want to say hi or send me a sign, you can do so. So we hop on this call and the interview begins. And literally the second she's like, and welcome to the show. The power in my house just like, like you hear that, like everything shuts down. I'm suddenly plunged into darkness. And I'm like, seriously, like that was your freaking sign. You just (laughs) unplugged the electricity you took me off the grid and then i checked and all our neighbors were still on so i don't know like what happened the power just she was like i don't want us to make a connection today yeah so she's like no celebrity mediums i'm a good catholic woman anyway so that happened and as you were just disappearing off the screen i was sitting there talking to eva and my computer screen just went like completely black like just dark and i thought did my computer just die you opened yourself up to like a ghost computer virus. I feel really weird now because like the co- screen just went black and then I was suddenly kicked out after you were kicked out and my computer just turned itself off and I'm like, it's at a hundred percent battery. There's no reason. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know what's going on, but if this is my Oma, I'd really appreciate she not like, um, oh, now Eva got kicked off. Eva just got kicked off. What's happening? <laughs> maybe it's not my grandma. Maybe it's somebody else. I will if say Patty go... <laughs> introduced us to a haunted doll, and I'm a little afraid we maybe ticked her off. So I don't know. I didn't do anything. I waved and said hello to her. And... I did blame her for the electricity going out. So that's that, not my fault. That wasn't, so... that wasn't good. Well, um, one thing you want to you tell me your favorite part about that show, Christine? I don't the, remember. The affirmation you got about your favorite little friend. Oh, Oh, I thought you meant the Zach Bagans comment where she said he's her soulmate. But no, okay. Um, <laughs> the other little friend I have. Okay, we said in the interview, you know, there was this time, and I don't think we've really talked about it on the podcast, but there was a time where we felt like things were just going completely awry in the most comical ways. Anyway, listen to her podcast to hear about that. But um, we felt almost like it was like a hex or a curse or like something was put on us where things just were going like hysterically wrong all the time. And she said, oh, well, there's a good way to kind of negate this kind of energy and cleanse your your group and your space. And we're like, oh, really? What is it? She's called she says it's called a lemon cleansing. And I'm like, this has, <laughs> to, be, this has to be a fucking joke. <laughs> and she goes, what you do is you take a lemon and M's face 
dropped just, like, and not they, having it. the whole interview thank god they would focus on like one face at a time because i was silent and my face i probably was rolling my eyes the whole time em and i but were just, just staring daggers at each other like like you can tell when you're on zoom and you're looking at a certain person yep. and they know that you're looking at them you're trying I not was, to make it obvious <laughs> i was doing that with christine being like are you kidding me she's giving us a whole ritual on lemons a lemon ritual are you kidding yeah and she said oh you just you take the lemon and you put salt in it and you say this she's like it's in my book you say this thing and you you basically lemons banish bad energy and i went patty i need you to understand what you're saying to us right now and i even said like hey by the way uh we had this lemon and i found it under a bed and she's like oh good that means it was there to banish bad energy and i'm like yeah but i took it with me like i don't know if that's good or it sounds like it caused the the issue yeah i feel like maybe it contains all the bad energy and i just pocketed it you know in my just sitting in my closet right now yeah uh then put it in m's house so anyway that was that was my favorite part when she goes it's called a lemon ritual and i said you like this you've got to be psychic you are definitely psychic like not that i ever questioned it but like you know what you're doing, lady. Well, we will end this intro on a high for you and me trying to give you, leave you with an olive branch of sorts. Okay. Uh, a reason to come to Fredericksburg is um, my step-sibling actually just, they, their first job was at this place, I think. <laughs> um, and it opened last year. It is called Possibilities. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's um, not. It is. And um, it's a candy store, but possum-themed. I think <gasps> it's and called opossibilities. No, just possibilities, not okay. the opossum, which is what it is actually called. But possibilities. They're actually and, called either one, anyway. Uh, and uh, they have marsupial Mondays where so if you on. like, if you buy a certain amount, then you get to go upstairs and play with the possums upstairs. I can't deal with this, Eva. We have plans. <laughs> um, and I also want to point out. Oh my God, a little stuffed possum heading to Germany. Sorry, their page is great. Um, I want to also say that Eva texted and said, oh, no, my power just went out right as you were talking about power outages. And I'm like, this is just... I, I hate this. Something's uh, you know, going on. I'm sorry to whichever doll... Also, she talked about PTD with her first name. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, we don't do that, man. That was... It was literally so bold. She was like, oh, yeah, so well, bold. I've also... She held PTD's hand. She was like, well, I held her hand. And I was like, you know what, girl? Can you stop saying the full name? Can you just... Yeah, we go like, by this PTD. Is your show, and you can say whatever you want, but, I, like... I even said, I was like, on our show, when we've said it, people have gotten in car crashes and gotten nosebleeds. And she went, oh, yeah, one time, like... I, I said it in front of someone. They had a heart attack. And I was like, <laughs> she goes, and they what? were too young to have a heart attack. I was like, girl, you are bold as can be, my friend. Or something involving heart attacks. And yeah. I was like, that, I, so stop saying the name. You literally man. said, oh, people have had nosebleed car crash. And she goes, oh, yeah, and heart attacks. And we were like, girl, no. Mm. <laughs> anyway, your turn. Uh, oh, my turn. Great. Well, um, also, let me know if there's anything uh, you want on this they have a, a lovely site too, not just oh, the store. Oh, my cart's already full. Don't worry. Have you seen the mouse pad? Because I feel like that's I'm right mailing up your alley. you something. No, you're not. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm mailing <laughs> Eva something. Hold <laughs> oh, now, someone's calling me. Who the hell is that? Is it decline? PT- is it PTD? I don't know. I, it, dec- it won't let me decline. Hang on. I'm telling you, something is up, and we felt the energy the second we started. I just have to wait it out. Something is up. Do you hear it? No. Oh, I don't know if you could hear my. My mom just said ring. we need to talk in four minutes. I'm like, what? 
What's going on? I, I'm getting the craziest whiplash from this, this is episode. Scary. I'm like a little bit afraid. Okay, let's let's get out of here quickly. Okay, so let's start with my topic as we do, and just and just begin as okay. we do. Okay, let's get back to basics. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and em and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15 percent off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash drink for 15 percent off burrow.com slash drink did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the u.s with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the u.s you can grow lemon avocado olive or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants available fast growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days and along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee they offer free plant consultation forever i am so thrilled that we are working with fast growing trees i spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what i would love to order from their products they have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden um they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very very specific flowers i actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden i recently discovered how much i love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This is um, episode 315, I think. And the topic of today is the two sh- the two oh, ah, shit. Charcuterie. Oh. <laughs> They're witch trials. Two oh. shakor. Two shakare. Two shakare oh, witch trials. T O R S A K E R, but we're in Sweden, so it's definitely two, not T O A S K A R. Yeah, there I had a pronunciation link to it and it that smelled- seemed to work pretty well for you. Okay. Well, my, my computer is doing this thing now where I can't click on links. I have to like highlight it and copy and paste it into the bar. It's very frustrating. Also, Eva, I think we can hear you in the background. Hi, Eva. I'm like, I'm like, somebody's laughing and, and then I look at M and M's not amused by what I'm saying. So I'm like, it's something either, either (laughs) Peggy is, sorry, I said her name. Either. Ah! 
<laughs> maybe she retroactively knew, like maybe she knew I was going to say her name and she's like, I'll just get started now to fuck up your equipment. I told everybody this was going to be a weird episode and I hope you believed me and I hope you were here for the ride. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, so let's get into this witch trial situation. So we're in Sweden and by the mid 1300s, sorcery has been outlawed by Sweden. Mm. So by the 1600s, there was a lot of anti-witchcraft litigation, but at first, I do want to say there were levels of witchcraft at the time. There was um, like healing magic and herb craft was allowed. And even like Catholics were participating in spells because mm. they were protecting their livestock. Um, I love but, how it's like, oh, uh, you know, rituals and stuff are okay if it's like for capitalist purposes or like, right. for, yeah, it's fine <laughs> if you just want to keep your, your animals safe or like make money on crops, but otherwise exactly. back off. And also, like, I would like to make it clear that I feel like all religious people are involved somehow in their own version of witchcraft. Yeah. And, like, I mean, like, what is a prayer if not a spell? Like, what is... Exactly. Like, Thank it's you. It's all the same. It's all the same. Um. So, anyway, you could be fined at the time because people were protective of this space. You could be, you could be fined for accusing someone of witchcraft because... It was not to be messed with. It was a like checks this... and balances thing. Yes, it was lovely. Cool. However, you um, because witchcraft eventually became a spiritual crime, not like a government crime. The church was punishing people. Oh boy! So we dive in quick. Oh boy! So originally, the punishments could be public shaming, shunning, even taking a beating, which is just awful. But um, as the Protestant Reformation spread through Sweden, Catholic prayers became known as bad magic and practices started becoming devilish demonic however you want all to say this it. shit is like so cyclical my god okay <laughs> so let's the, move on <laughs> okay the church got more involved in civil courts and witchcraft became more of a secular crime because of that sure so uh it the 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 Christians avoided it, I suppose. Avoided getting the, the axe. Good for them. So now that it's becoming more of a secular crime, by 1550, the first woman in Sweden is executed for witchcraft. Oh, boy. And her name is Lassus. I'm doing, like, the most American version of this, I guess, um, dialect-wise. But Lassus Birgitta of Oland. Okay. Um, and by the 17th century, there was a wave of hysteria. So only like 50 years later, really 100 years later, because it was the mid-1600s. But from 1668 to 1676, there were so many witch persecutions that that one eight-year period is known as the Great Noise. Oh, that's the like single-handedly most creepy phrase to use. It's eerie. Yeah. Yes. Like, and so... It all begins in 1667 when a 12-year-old, oh boy, let's remember that. Her name is Gertrude Sven's daughter. And uh oh, like Sven's like Sven's daughter? That's is that so what that cute. means? That's so cute. Sven's daughter? Okay. I bet because I feel like a lot of those names came from those same kind of uh like just a title or something. What's a bathtub? What's that word? A compound noun. A tub? A bathtub? What? Like, isn't, like, you know, a when bathtub. you combine two words, it's like a compound, is it a compound word? Like, oh, bathtub? Oh, sure. Yes. What's a bathtub? You, you literally <laughs> said, what's the word? Bathtub? What's the word? And I was like, bathtub? You just said it. <laughs> what is it? Oh, what is a bathtub? Okay, sorry. Uh, no, but I feel like a lot of those names did come from there. Like, the name Grayson is, like, 
Ray's son. The son of the gray-haired man, I think is what mm. it means. And like, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot like Schieffer means slate, which is like we used to do roofing back in the day. You know? <laughs> um, so that probably is what that means. That's cool. Uh, okay. So yeah, I hope, I hope I came up with, I figured it out on my own. That'd be a fun thing my brain did today. I love it. Uh, so 12 year old Gertrude Svindotter, uh, was working with another shepherd. She was a shepherd. She was working with another shepherd. His name was Matt Nilsson, mm. maybe Nilsson. I don't know. I think so. And, uh, the two of them while working together, they got in a fight about something. We don't know what. And she beats him up. Yeah, she does. <laughs> so good for her. Probably defending um, herself. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking not promoting of, violence, folks, okay? I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you guys stand up for yourself. I don't know what happened, but I'm just going to go off of the track record all of history's ever had mm. and assume that she needed to defend herself. Mm-hmm. Um, during this fight, the goats that they were tending to all ran off, so Gertrude goes to find them. So Uh-oh. she gets in a fight and then gains composure regains composure and goes back to work this guy runs home after getting beaten up for something he may or may not have done Mm. and while gertrude is out looking for goats he thinks okay well this is my moment before gertrude gets here and can say what happened (gasps) so he decides to make her look really bad jackass um and so he said that he had seen, I don't know if he made her look really bad, but um, he said that he'd seen her walk on water. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, yeah, he's like, I'm going to make her look so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he said that he saw her walk on water across the river. And then when she found all the goats and led them back, she also was able to give them the gift of walking across the water. Um, <sighs> which is like pretty dope. Like I'd be like, I'd pay for your services to teach my goats to walk on water, you know? I would love someone to give me the gift of walking on water. That'd be so badass. Um, So Matt's father, he, Neil, I'm calling him. um, (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, he went to the local minister whose name was Lars Elvius. Okay. Okay. Sounds like an evil person. It does. Um, He goes to the local minister and soon Gertrude is interrogated multiple times (gasps) and under extreme duress until she finally confesses that she has met the devil because uh, in her home parish, her neighbor's maid had her meet the devil. Oh, come on. The neighbor's maid, by the way, was named Merit John's daughter. I guess she's John's daughter. And she's called, she's often called store Merit or big Merit in the story, in the story. Okay. Um, But I guess Merit um, took her to meet the devil. So, oh boy, oh boy, in this trial, I guess trying to find some sort of mercy or protect herself however she could, Gertrude ends up accusing 19 women in total. And oh at just 12 years old, she is sentenced to death. Jesus. So, because she was 12 and a lot of people still had like some common sense to them, they were like, hang on a second, maybe we shouldn't be killing children. <laughs> they were like, maybe we should be saving them from evil. And she's a kid, so we should drop her sentence down to flogging. Oh so God. she still got flogged for Terrible. really nothing. But those 19 people she accused weren't children. And to save themselves, they started accusing one another. And they sure. started accusing other people and other people. It was like survival tactic, you know? Yeah. So it quickly 
grew into i mean if 19 people are naming two people each that's another 40 people on top of these 19 people and so that's already 60 people in town um so pretty much everyone's getting accused out of nowhere everyone's daughter everyone's daughter john's daughter (laughs) sven's daughter um and so Merritt, as we mentioned the neighbor's maid she was trying uh she was tried twice but ultimately was executed along with many other people Mm. um and basically like i said if you think about it in terms of numbers within seconds a hundred people could be witches in this town if if everyone's just like throwing pointing a finger yeah um so total hysteria ensues sweden is already going through it because in the recent years they've had religious stuff going on they've had war they've had mass poverty and all of northern europe had been dealing with the little ice age which Mm. was like extremely cold summer so everyone's crops are hurting oh no so people are eating less and food security is, is isn't being promised and people also thought that you could steal luck from people it was just a super a superstition at the time was you could steal luck from your neighbor if you um uh sold yourself to the devil basically so if you sold yourself to the devil then your neighbor's crops would do worse than yours oh great so everyone's crops were doing bad everyone's cows were getting sick and if your neighbor's doing better based on this one superstition they might be a witch it's because of them yeah mm mm-hmm and I think we talked about that in rituals too at some point. Maybe not the same area, but we have talked about witchcraft on rituals. Go listen to rituals. <laughs> and it, they were really looking for any reason at that point. And the I think, second like, that the first episode was about weather witches and about mm-hmm. how we how about how people would base everything on the crops, which is understandable. I mean, that's their livelihood. But yeah, it got out of hand. Yeah, if you're and if you're hungry and you mm-hmm. can't like promise food for your family and the neighbors next to you seem like they're doing pretty good and you can't tell why or what the difference is. It's I mean, human you were just nature. Just looking for a reason to compare yourself, I guess. Right. And basically people were ready to snap just waiting for an excuse and they found one in witchcraft. So the news mm. about Gertrude spread to a bunch of villages nearby and people start freaking the fuck out. <sighs> Uh, the government was dealing with a lot at the time. Uh, well, they always are, but they were they were dealing with like well beyond what they were probably comfortable with, and they couldn't even afford to deal with this at right. the moment. So they were letting the villages build extra committees of priests and judges to help the parishes root out witches. I see. So they're like, you handle this on a more local level. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. So in Norway's witch trials, which we're talking about Sweden right now, but in Norway's witch trials, many of the accused people were an indigenous group um, of people called the Sami. Mm. Um, and they were in Norway, Finland, Sweden, and Russia. Okay. But the Sami people mostly lived in a farther northern region. And they were, although they were targeted in northern Sweden, the most heinous trials were in southern sweden okay so in southern sweden that was where a bunch of finnish people had just immigrated to the area and they were being noticed for their cultural differences which my dumb american brain doesn't often think that they would have much difference (laughs) between their cultures but uh apparently there's there's at least some practices that they do differently including um they would live in the forest. They would cut down trees and burn them to create rich harvest, which meant that their crops were doing better. I see. Because they were um, smarter about, or they, they had some 
different practices. Yes, and that were, they were able working. to help them out. Right. Yes. Okay. So God forbid. Okay. Exactly. So they mm. were also a. Um, they were nicknamed by the Swedes uh, the Forest Finnish, mm. uh, which I guess was it became a slur for them mm. at the time. So. Uh, most of those accused of witchcraft in southern Sweden became Finnish just by be- or became Finnish people that they were targeting just because they were known they had now just like gotten their own timely slur. They had they were now being judged as like the forest people. Mm-hmm. Their crops were doing better and everyone in Sweden was really struggling food wise. And so they just started accusing anyone who was either Finnish or affiliated with Finnish people. And the oldest woman at the time to be accused for witchcraft was also finished. And she was like in her eighties oh, and like, leave the woman alone, God. leave her alone. And when accused in trial, apparently one of the differences between Finland and Sweden is that in Finland, you're allowed to bring weapons to court. Cool. Um, <laughs> at least at the time, but she didn't know that that was illegal in Sweden. And so she tried to defend herself in court and brought a knife. Oh boy. And so that really didn't help her case. Um, anyway, so just, that's just an example of one of the Finnish oh, yeah. people who got called out for no reason. Um, and also in Sweden, torture was technically illegal. I guess, you know, it's technically always illegal and yet people find a way to do yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting how that works. But uh, I guess their logic to it uh, about why they should use torture during these witchcraft trials was because you couldn't get an execution approved without indisputable evidence, a.k.a. (laughs) the only indisputable evidence they were going to get was a confession. I mean, I can't even count the ways how backwards that is, but sure, go for it. So, I I know, we're just, we're breezing past, otherwise we have already shown how quickly we can derail today, so... So they basically needed a confession. Otherwise, they couldn't do anything about all the witches. And the only way to get a confession was through torture. So if we sure. wanted to handle the witchcraft thing, we needed to torture sure, these sure, people. Sure. The people quickly figured out that this was a way of... Or they basically figured out that um, to torture someone into a confession was the only way they were interested in in figuring out if someone was a witch or not. There was like, even if you could prove it in some other way, there was nothing more as effective. Yeah, they're like, this is the most effective. So we're going to keep doing this. Yeah. When we torture people, we somehow end up with a hundred witches. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. It's like 100% effective 100% of the time. You never believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so so horrible. So they ignored the rules on torture in the name of finding out who the local witches were. And... The higher courts, I already said they were really going through it right now. Um, And they quickly got overwhelmed at just the amount of cases that were coming through uh, Mm. of witchcraft. So when local, like lower level courts needed their approval for an execution, it's so twisted. When they needed an approval for an execution, the higher courts didn't get to them in time because they were so busy with other shit going on that they wouldn't give them a timely answer on whether or not the execution was approved. So the lower courts would just bank on the fact that they'd probably say yes. Oh no. And go through with the executions anyway oh. on the tech on the technicality that they were never told no. So it's like, oh, uh better to ask forgiveness than permission. Than permission. Yeah. Yep. Jesus Christ. Like, well, they never said no. It's like, what bro, a... they never said yes. What are you talking that is about? so backwards. I mean, I'm like not surprised, but it still sucks. It gets worse because <sighs> children now are getting involved too. So kid, kids' testimonies 
were seen as too unreliable. But a lot of kids were the key witnesses mm-hmm. because they could tell you stories about their teachers. They, I mean, they were in, they were on the inside, right? They mm. also, they could tell you about mommy and daddy at home and oh, mommy. No. Mm-hmm. And you know, they've proven time and time again, that children will say what they want. You think you want to hear. That's that, how, that, that's how the whole fucking, um, whatchamacallit, sex scandal. What was that? Like, that horrible time when all those teachers got accused of like mm-hmm. devil worship and and all that and it was all mishandled and bungled and it was all a myth but anyway yeah it's like been proven the kids just say what they think you want to hear so that's that gets mentioned in this too later so um their testimonies were considered unreliable until how cool they were all of a sudden talking about all these witches because they probably heard their parents talking about witches and the witchcraft uh-huh. trials going on so now they've got things to say. Yep. Or if there was somebody who was accused and they needed to interrogate somebody on it and see, is this person really a mm-hmm. witch? Who better to go to than their children oh who they God. could torture very easily? It's disturbing. So now, even though they were once considered unreliable, their testimonies are now supporting death They sentences. were unreliable until they were useful to their cause. Yeah. They were cool. unreliable until they were the only ones these courts had to rely on, <laughs> which terrible. should tell you something. Even worse, they were getting, or not really even worse, but they were, uh, they often got the accused woman's children to act as one of the sole witnesses. Mm. Um, and these kids were as young as four. So imagine being oh, four. Jesus and Jesus Christ, that's terrible. Essentially, you know, when you grow up and have a guilt <sighs> complex, you will be telling yourself every day, you killed your mother. So terrible. Um, but one child's testimony was not often enough. They were considered a fragment, I guess a fragment of a person, therefore a fragment of a testimony. Cool. So the so the courts now had permission to go interrogate slash torture 30 to 40 children to accuse one person. And with 30 to 40 children, if you say, give me a name on who's a witch, they're going to pick anyone they know. So that's 30 to 40 new witnesses or 30 to 40 new um, people on trial. That's insane. So most children uh, were, their testimonies often led to something called the Blackula, which I like to think of as Michael Scott calling Daryl Blackula when he was dressed as Dracula. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I-, I thought that was really the only reference when I first saw this. I was like, that's the only source I've ever heard on Blackula. Well, that would be our only source, you know? Yeah, I've never heard of any other thing, but well, apparently we're not torturing children for our sources. So that's we, true. We just have the office. I would like to go back to a time before I knew about actual Blackula and just thought of Daryl. Um, <laughs> but OK, guess not. I'm currently um, in that time. So maybe just skip this part so I can live there. Yeah, you've only got about like three seconds left oh, in this man. world. So um, so most of the children's testimonies, again, because they were probably hearing about it nonstop at the dinner table or from other kids at school or something. But everyone seemed to have a story about Blackula all of a sudden, a which surprise. was a hill or a mountain uh, said to be in Sweden where the devil would host his Sabbath, his unholy Sabbath. I see. So it's not technically hell. It's his like staycation where he no, like good. It's like his verbo where he goes to do <laughs> fucking seances and shit. Okay, it's his layer of sorts. I and see. so, um, 
it's an upside down world where all the rules are backwards. Cool. So on the Sabbath, witches would ride farm animals backwards or horses and brooms, or they would hop on the backs of men in their village and ride them like a horse. Or mm. um, <clears throat> they flew north where they enacted an unholy mirror to the Sabbath. All, I mean, they would <laughs> sure, you know, they would sing backwards. They would pray the Lord's prayer backwards. They oh my. would. My favorite one is that there was apparently a saying that a church bell would knock a witch off of her mount. And <laughs> and since that was apparently true, uh, at Blackula on the Sabbath, the witches would chew apart brass church bells and spit the pieces into a lake. Ew. <laughs> That's such a weirdly specific. Like, the first person to come up with that, like brava because what a what a beautiful picture you've painted like i'm so sorry you were used as like a a witness for a yeah. witch trial when you could have been an author and it would have been yeah i feel like in a different age you would have really shined you know in, during, during the stephanie meyer phase you would have oh, really yeah. your <laughs> your wattpad would have been crazy your i bet <laughs> no. so um but no, that was one of the rumors that had been told around the village that they would chew church bells and spit into the pieces, spit pieces into the lake. Which, cool. by the way, if you needed proof where you wouldn't have to torture people, why didn't anyone go looking in the lake for pieces of the church bell? They probably did and didn't find any, and were like, "Well, we don't." They have time disappeared to look. or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, they fade away after the Sabbath. Something bullshit. You know. <laughs> So the witches would also apparently abduct innocent children mm. um, to make them go to these Sabbaths with them. Which, sure. like, by the way, if a, the whole scary thing about a witch is that they're like this independent, strong woman, I don't know if they're bringing children to their parties like for fun. You yeah, know? I feel like, uh, you know, speaking as someone with a lot of friends who are, you know, child free by choice um i don't think they want to just invite along a bunch of kids i feel like that makes like the debauchery a little less fun you know as someone and again there are wonderful places where wonderful children can can be gathered but <laughs> as someone who is child free by choice my idea of a party with the devil does not include bringing random children I and mean, then being in charge of them who has a child my idea of a party with the devil also doesn't include children so like let's just put that out there it doesn't matter whether i have kids or not i think it's okay. pretty obvious good point uh all i'm saying is like i can't imagine someone goes hmm you know what would make this night fucking crazy <laughs> if we bring <laughs> i mean i guess maybe they have a point i'm kind of coming around to their point like as someone with a, a toddler now i'm like Oh boy, she can rain some hell down, you know, if she really wanted to. Maybe if you were having like baby Olympics or something, yeah. and like <laughs> There's something to be said. Who can bring the cutest little baby? Or I who mean, can... there is some something to be said for their destructive tendencies, you know. So I could see that being helpful. But I feel like if you really wanted to go against the devil, you would bring him to a party with a bunch of babies and like give him his own version of hell. Like have oh, like that's true. the babies like that's bring true. crayons and draw all over his fiery walls. That's and, a great like, point. Spit up everywhere and just scream and cry and he can't get away from it like oh and don't worship him and don't yeah and pet the goat instead of slaughter it or whatever mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah you. like bring babies to hug all the animals yeah 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 see that would be a great way to go against the devil i, I think. get it i get it now whatever but apparently <laughs> they would kidnap these children who were like on board with satan sure. i guess uh and these abducted kids would apparently be like you know what insert creative or non-creative thing here beaten or like married off to demons or something <sighs> but these were all stories that allegedly the children were telling mid-torture let's be clear so oh, like right. they 
they would get lured away with like treats and gifts. And I do understand like the storyline of like the witches were bringing them while they're young and impressionable to the devil to be turned <laughs> into evil people, I guess. Um, but so these were just stories that all the kids were bringing in their in their trial or in their interrogations yeah. about what the what the witches would do with them. Um, they were forced to listen to people screaming in hell and, you know, insert whatever you want there. Mm. When they finally got home, apparently the presents they were given to be lured away would turn into dirt and snakes. <laughs> okay. That was another story. Cool. And <laughs> and basically there's just like blackula accusations popping up in the trials early on which by the way if this if black Hill was a concept during satanic panic you know there'd be stories and movies written about like a group of five to six teenagers mm -hmm. all trying to break <sighs> into blackula to have a big trying party to prove themselves yeah so, so uh if anyone needs a like script to write i love it have a good time uh like a bunch of teenagers from the 80s time travel to blackula era and like <laughs> i like I it it's, it's like and midsummer up, but and but accidentally like, save all the people from witch trials that would be the yeah. great ending because it's like but, midsummer but like with a happy ending sort yeah of. yeah <laughs> sort of except unfortunately this story like actually happened and is true and it's exactly awful. it's too bad uh, so anyway the as the story truly goes all the kids were saying horrible things they go to blackula they're meeting all these witches they're being you know uh in consumed with with evil or that's what the witches are trying to do to them but luckily they got saved in time to be able to talk about it at their trial right the um so at these trials there were two types of witchcraft or two types of magic that people were put on trial for so there was um maleficia maleficia okay maleficia okay i keep wanting to say maleficent um which is would make sense where her name comes from now, yes. I guess. Or there was diabol diabolism. Diabolism. Those, diabolism. Thank you. Those were the two types of magic that people could be on trial for. And, and the first one, which I keep calling Maleficent, <laughs> um, it was based on one person who was usually like the trope of like the old cranky woman who's a burden on society. Mm. She doesn't like a man or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and she's charged with witchcraft often because like someone had an issue with her for land or a money dispute, or they just didn't like her face. Um, <laughs> and then like the problem's over. Like it was just like a one witch one time deal. Sure. But diabolism trials was when someone was accused. Um, the accused were sworn to like Satan's service and they're here to harbor evil on the town. And it's Ooh. a much, it's very um, like the Salem witch trials where like, it was a group of people who, were all in charge of like being in cahoots with satan oh boy so blackula or uh, the sabbath were considered dia diabolic 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 oh my god diabolic diabolic <laughs> i'm literally so stupid um but because if there's a sabbath that means there's more than one witch so you can't just try the one person without getting names of the other people uh -huh. so sure. it very quickly became a mess of the accused accusing others mm-hmm um nowadays uh nowadays like present day in the story uh all magic was evil even the previously acceptable like healing acts that people were doing early right. on in like the 1300s and it's all um, out it's all out everything's bad and the crescendo of you know this the great noise movement um came out in 
Tushaker, Tushaker, which is in South Central Sweden. Um, and that was on October 15th, 1674. A uh, hundred people, <laughs> mostly women, were accused and a trial began for witchcraft. Jesus. Okay. Um, one woman managed to escape and so did her son because he was like a sailor and had already shipped out before the trial began. So he oh, was like, boy. somehow got away and so did she. Um, a lot of children were called to testify and witch hunters did pretty much whatever they had to to get testimonies out of those kids so you can use your imagination on that um one of the stories is that they would uh hold the children under ice water and like cut holes in ice lakes and put them under there until they shit um that's just one of i'm sure a hundred versions of whatever happened um which i don't know how in today's world or even even then i don't know how witch hunters shouldn't already like be accepting that they would be on trial next for abusing children right. but i guess you'd think they, that maybe they were just seen as like saving the village by like doing whatever it took to or get maybe the people were out. too scared because they're like well i don't want to be next whatever happens to like the kids when they're growing up in the village and like have to like they go to a bar or a tavern and then they see the guy that used to drown them as a child they're like how do you just traumatized and i can't even imagine i can't even imagine no um horrible so anyway other kids just as you mentioned earlier there were some kids who were tortured for to tell their stories Mm. but there were other kids who so badly wanted attention and praise at a time where children were to be seen not heard that and on top of it they were fighting for god if they were telling the stories of witchcraft so they wanted to be seen as little town heroes and you know because sad the more they talked, the more people were finally interested in what they had to say. They were just coming up with the craziest stories, probably <laughs> Blackula, probably the church bell thing, just to, you know, have five seconds of attention. Mm. Um, and ultimately, again, this is like not the children's fault. They were under extreme duress. Um, but due, due to a lot of the children's testimonies and then other, you know, townspeople's um stories too it wasn't just the children but due to all of these testimonies 65 of these people were women out of the hundred i think um and they all died which means one in every five women in <gasps> Tushakar were executed in a single day in a day oh my god oh my god oh my god that's 20 percent in some families three generations of women <gasps> and one family were killed that day what so. the fuck? I'm surprised there were so many men, though. Yeah, me too. But I, maybe they just ran out of fucking women, you know? Seriously. Maybe they were like, they had like a roster of everyone that looked like a census, and they were like, every woman's been accused. I guess we've got men we got to call out now, too. Or it's else. such a frenzy. It's horrible. Like, how would you not even think, like, if every woman has been accused, maybe none of them are in on this? Yeah. I or wonder, like, it must if, just if be... we kill all the women, what are we men to do now in town? Yeah, like, I don't think they thought that through. <laughs> they like, must what happens, not have. What would have happened when you killed all of them and then like, and then it's just men? Like, now what? Now fucking what? Good luck. Like, okay. Anyway, <sighs> uh, 65 in a single day. It was the largest civilian execution in Sweden's history. Jesus. I, like, it's so bizarre. And so that was 65 women. And just so you know, out of the hundred, um, 
It was 71 victims that day. So that's like still like 30% of them somehow got out of being executed. I'm sure they were terribly punished in other ways. Oh, so not all 100 were executed? 71. 71. And so 65 20... of those were women? Mm-hmm. Wow. So okay, six that makes men. more sense. <laughs> that does make more sense. Like ratio-wise, I mean. I wonder if it was 65 women and 35 men, and out of the 35 that's men, only six. That's what that it sounds makes, like. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. So it was on a mountain in the parish where all 71 victims, oh man, were beheaded. <gasps> and then their bodies were burned at the stake and their family and friends watched. Dear Lord. I can't imagine. so barbaric. I can't imagine. Uh, in any time, not even in this time, but including this, any time where there was execution by beheading, or execution at all, but beheading for me is like a particularly gruesome, brutal, barbaric, like you said, kind of act i can't imagine knowing like you're next and you like if you're, you're not in the line f- yeah you just watch it happen like what if you're the 71st and you just had to watch 70 beheadings and you're the last one i mean think about like i mean this is just a dark thought but like think about how many times they've used that blade on like so many different people and also i, I, I don't know i think for me <laughs> you didn't ask me this but for me my most like disturbing form of execution has always been burned on the stake like yeah. i just think that's the most um, it's got to be just the most painful way you know honestly i wonder if they thought it was like um, quicker way to well i was gonna say by beheading them first they didn't have to experience the burning like maybe they thought they were like giving them mercy I don't or know, something because they I don't still know. burned all the but i bet it was just like we have so many to kill that like you can't just burn all of them at the stake at one like i guess you'd, so you'd have to kill them first I mean, at least with beheading, like they didn't have to experience uh, being in a fire until they died. But still, I I mean, it's none of it's just horrible. And 71, like, how did they even find an executioner who was willing to do that unless you found a really fucking sick person? You had to. Maybe it was, you had to find someone who really hated witchcraft, I guess. Or a group of people. But also, like, family and friends watch. That means everyone who basically accused them, you know? Because it was just, it was so. The hysteria was crazy. There was at least a kid there who watched their mom or mm-hmm. sister die because they said something. And, like, yeah. not that it's their fault, but, like, I can't imagine them growing up and having to reflect and on feeling good about that, right? their contribution, even if it was completely by force. But, like, I, I also think, it's like... It's got to do a number on you. In the context of history, they probably, you know, weren't unpacking their childhood trauma the way we all you are today. So? And they certainly didn't, didn't have teach them how to do that. <laughs> well, they certainly didn't have like any gentle parenting to help them along the way. <laughs> no. So like, so like, like I'm these just... people, these grownups were literally dunking them in ice water. So like, I think whatever the opposite of gentle parenting is, that's what was going on. I just like can't imagine like even if you try to reflect on it one day there's no one to talk about it with you like there's like no one ever was healed from this and so um the this day finally uh was just so gruesome that it ended up sparking skepticism through Sweden and ov- officials had to step in which I would like to say the officials should have fucking stepped in a long time too ago too little too fucking late my friends um and after this because it was just so terrible children child witnesses were banned and people were no longer allowed to persecute people out of superstition great um i know 71 people Again, too late too little too fucking late um priests could no longer condemn people they were expected to f- help people find oh, oh you don't say. help not kill they were um they were expected to help them find their way back to god through prayer not torture Oy vey. 
And in 1676, so by the way, like that was the big day. That was the holy crap day. But there were still a few killings after that too. So sure. in 1676, uh, the last execution during the Great Noise took place in Stockholm. So mm. that was uh, two years later, a year and a half later, um, that uh, there were still killings from that one big horrible day. So over a year after that, people were still being Jeez. killed by witchcraft. They were probably just, honestly, if you're that type of person who, like, wants to execute people out of witchcraft, they were probably just trying to churn them out before yeah, they knew the like, government would come in. Yeah, they get it over in. with before they intervene. Yeah. Exactly. So, Ugh. in 1704, which is another whole, like, 20, 30 years later, uh, the last witch execution in se- in Sweden happened. So 1704, even- you said? 1704. And then the, the big 71 people day was 74, and now it's 1704, so that's literally 40 years 30 years later 30 years later and um that then only then was the last execution for witchcraft in sweden dang um and then in 1779 75 years after that the death penalty for witchcraft was overturned so i guess just kind of laid dormant for 75 years but it still technically existed yeah um and now the mountain where the execution took place is now still called witch mountain and that's not um, Blackula. Blackula was like a fake thing. Blackula was a story created. I wonder yeah. if they I wonder if they still did the executions where they thought Blackula was. That's what was. I was wondering. Like, are they trying to be like, look what we can do to override Satan? I don't know. Right. But then also like couldn't just one person go up there and take one look around and go, Yep, no devil. I guess we don't have to kill them. <laughs> but, <he's> hiding. <laughs> um but so I don't know where the Blackula Mountain is said to be, but that it was all just a Got story it. anyway. Okay. okay. But the mountain where they actually executed people, which could have very well also been the Blackula Mountain, mm-hmm. um, was still it's still there, and it's called Witch Mountain. It's also called Bonfire Mountain. Ooh. Which yikes! Um, there's also a museum nearby to learn about the tragic events. And in 1975, which was on uh, almost the 300th anniversary, Sweden erected a stone monument there, and mm. one of the stones says, "Women died, men judged. The faith of the time affects the human." Wow. Um, whoa whoa i just got goose cam that's so powerful that's the two care witch trials i gotta say you know like i just did the stockholm syndrome episode and it just makes me think because sweden nowadays is known as so peaceful mm-hmm. so progressive and like it is and you know you look back and you're like wow that's horrifying but then you think about like the stuff that happens here every day and Mm -hmm. in other countries every day and it's like man i don't know i just i'm 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 proud i guess i'm proud of sweden for coming so far and now being such a progressive safe place yeah i i well done snaps to sweden good job sweden not back then um, you really fucked up you really fucked up but that was not cute guess what everyone apparently was fucking up back then because i feel like you were far from the only witch trial happening you know yeah we really don't get to talk with our no with our witch trials nowhere really get to talk more people than that for way more fucked up reasons or equally fucked up reasons but still that was uh, a that was a wild time anyway what there was that? The it. Great Noise? Is that what it's called? The Great Noise. That yeah. is such a spooky... It feels like I'm going to get sucked into a black hole or something. Yeah, especially like... Noise. the. It's so... 
it's so powerful but so vague because like the noise yes. could be anything the but noise it could be dark. the, the chatter scary. of gossip it could be the screams of the witches it could, it could be all the trial talk it could be anything Ooh, i don't like it the great noise yeah um you know anyway there you my have friend it. Alyssa and i when we were little we would if we were on the phone um like on the landline and we had mm -hmm. to pee or if we were like peeing on the phone we'd be like joyful noise and then we'd flush the toilet <laughs> <laughs> so if you said joyful noise it was like hold on i have to flush the toilet oh that's precious i just flush as i'm on the phone with you and wonder if you hear it or not <laughs> i don't but i think back then we didn't have a, a mute button or i don't know i don't know why we just were like anyway i'm peeing uh, yeah. but hold on I can't hear you for a second let me joyful noise <laughs> make, like it was like make a joyful noise so no one else has to hear it no it was more like here comes a, a joy I forget why that even happened it was just like I, I, I literally don't know I couldn't it's begin to cute. tell you but um joyful noise that's well and then my brother worked for a record label called joyful noise and I, I was like <laughs> Alexander that's the sound of a toilet I cannot get it out of my head I have I can start doing joyful noise with you next time I'm on the phone. We should try do, it. Next time I do one of my the only famous one I talk potty to on the calls phone anymore. So. Oh, you're the only one I call on the potty. So is what hey, I was saying. And so, and I've an never honor. even. I, I hope it's an honor. I've never even thought to like press mute when I flush. I just oh, I've I literally never noticed. So I literally FaceTime you and tell you I'm on the toilet. I need to talk to you. Phases me <laughs> zero. Again, I've been doing this since I was five. Apparently, joyful noise. So joyful noise. Well. <laughs> All right, we'll give it a shot next time, as long as I'm not stealing you. You know what's so thing. embarrassing? Once we did a simultaneous joyful noise, we're like, <gasps> oh, me too. <laughs> Just like always that's, peeing on the That's phone. embarrassing. That's so in sync. That's <laughs> harmony. Oh, anyway, good times. Uh, and when my therapist asks why I'm afraid of the phone, I'm like, I can't imagine why. There were only wonderful <laughs> things happening. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink
it feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, let's get to something fucked up, shall we? Yeah, let's continue the fucked up train. Yeah, let's right. That. Let's let's stop pretending like we're gonna break from it. I just noticed I'm literally holding my chapstick like a fucking cigarette. Like I'm just <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> Freud. I'm just like I'm just like tell me like I'm just like tell me a story. Tell me what's yeah. gonna happen next. Let me just get a get a little. Uh, I'm not cool enough to know smoking lingo. I'm like, let me get a drag. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I was about to say wanna, a whiff, and I'm like, you want a not, hit or something? You yeah. want a hit of that? <laughs> this is me Which, pretending to be undercover, like. With the Which cool now, kids. next time I'm with you and I have chats, I'm going to make you want to drag. Like, oh, you, uh, I'm gonna be like, can I get a hit of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, feels very nice, though. Uh, I'm actually very jealous. My lips are very dry. Um, anyway, let's get to this. This is the story of, it's a murder story. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Kel, what? You don't say. <laughs> this is the murder of Connie DeBate. Hmm. And it's okay. spelled D-A-B-A-T-E. And mm. I, my initial instinct was to say Dabate, like Dabate. Mm-hmm. Um, but her friends pronounce it debate. And I listened to like a Dateline podcast uh, about it. And one of the friends mentioned, which is just, is just such a random fun fact, but one of the friends mentioned they called their ha- the, the debates, the debate family's house, they called it the Dabate Estate. <laughs> Shut the fuck I up. That's the know. coolest thing I've ever heard. Which is so funny because you could literally say the debate estate, but they were like, we're going to change the pronunciation to the debate estate. That now they would be my fucking friends because that's just I how like. I know. I know. That's like when I'm telling Allison, like, I'm at the apartment. She's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at the manor. Where I'm at are the you? manor. Yeah. I would give anything to be able to call it the debate estate. Exactly. Oh my God. That's like my nosh galosh. It's your nosh galosh. It's your troll hole. It's like have, just the best ha- of I- all worlds. By the way, eventually, maybe we do that for um for the after chat. I'll show you my nosh galosh because it's <gasps> she's currently stocked to the. She's brim. arrived. See, I never even oh, saw she's, her yet. She's been here. Yeah, she's, and she's she's made herself at she's home. She's well loved. Okay. Don't you worry. I'm gonna see the nosh galosh in the after chat. 
If you would like to uh, join Patreon and check out the Nosh Galosh, you're more than welcome I just to. feel everyone going, no thanks. <laughs> and also anyone who missed that episode, uh, the Nosh Galosh is literally a galosh full of snacks that I, I can nosh on. Pretty, it speaks for itself. I, I okay, feel like just people so should figure that out. Just so um, and if you want to join and learn more about Birds of Kentucky, you can also join the after chat. Just kidding. I would not do that to you or Em. <laughs> um, you will, though. I will, though. So this is a murder of Connie debate uh, of the famous debate estate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it's about I, to be so tragic. Know, Just let me have this one. That's thing. why I'm trying to force some like good fun in the beginning before it gets horrifically dark. Thank you. So let's get to it. Connie was born in Connecticut in 1976 uh, with three siblings. She graduated high school in 95, college in 99. This just gives you an idea of like where she was in the timeline and went on to work um, in pharmaceutical sales. In June of 2003, at the age of 27, she married uh, the man she had fallen in love with, Richard DeBate. Mm Mm-hmm. Their birthdays were only three days apart, which is um, adorable that that's something people, I don't know. They get to have a birthday week. They get a birthday week like we do. I know. <laughs> Imagine. Trust me, it's fun. It's, it's very fun, fun, guys. You should try it. Actually, you know, <laughs> speaking of Alyssa, her her birthday and my birthday are three days apart. Um, really? Okay. So, so ours are four days apart? So she is the first. So you're two days apart. Oh! I know, I know. Now we just need a June 2nd to fill in the blank. I, okay sounds good. <laughs> okay um so connie's friend said they looked like a really solid couple like a really together couple that had made it work and when they interviewed the friends on the dateline episode on the podcast uh they mentioned you know at a party he was always doting after her he would say like let me make you a plate and basically put all the other husbands in the neighborhood to shame that was like how much he doted on and cared for his wife um, people did note that they were an opposites attract type of couple with a lot of differences that seemed to make them stronger. Uh, friends considered Connie the more responsible one of the couple. She was an active volunteer. She was like a class mom, worked, helped with the PTA, um, did other activities or events that friends and families needed her to volunteer her help with. Lit and a room, she, lit up a room. Li- uh, trust me, I'm getting there. <laughs> I even put in here, <laughs> actually lit up a room. Um, she was once even the vice president of the Ellington Volunteer Ambulance Corps. Like, she's just, like, stepping in wherever. That, and she doesn't work like, in medicine. Well, she works in pharmaceuticals, like, but not, like, how as an obscure. EMC. I know. How obscure. I know. Yeah. I love it. So people described her as, here we go, having an effervescent personality. And mm-hmm. a local pastor said people were naturally drawn to her. But in... You know, listening to her friends talk about her, it's very true. She had a lot of people who said, like, oh, she's my best friend. Like, she was just such a good friend to people, um, just so involved and so responsible and just really well-liked and, like, legitimately lit up a room, as cliche as that is. Meanwhile, as for Richard, people saw him as more of a clever, quote, overgrown kid. Um, according to friends, he would... Wait, Allison, write that I down. Know, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> he made, like, get ready for this, maybe take notes. He made corny jokes and puns. Hmm, mm-hmm. nosh galosh, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> the debate estate? Now I get yeah, it. true. Now it makes sense. But he was really quick on his feet, and he could come up with a joke for every situation. That does really sound familiar, Em. Not going to lie. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) One friend said he was definitely an odd character. I would say Rick is Rick. He was kind of quirky. (laughs) He did, however, have some credit issues, but 
uh, that aside, he and Connie uh, seem pretty financially secure and they seem to work through things pretty much like adults uh, as a couple. And like I said, Connie worked as a pharmaceutical sales rep and Richard, meanwhile, was working as a computer network administrator. The two of them had two sons together and they lived in just the most like suburban idyllic neighborhood called Ellington, Connecticut. Wow, it does sound like a movie. Right? Okay, mm-hmm. well, buckle up, because this movie's about to get rated R. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, sadly for Connie, more than a decade into their marriage, Richard began having an affair. Shit. I hope okay. this is where you and Rick differ, you know, mm-hmm. part ways. Mm-hmm. Let's hope. So far. Certainly yeah, so far. Certainly. Yeah. Only one of Richard's friends knew about it uh, after Richard confided in him. And Connie probably, looking back, didn't know that Richard was cheating. But that being said, she was also far more unhappy in their marriage than she let on. Like other people didn't realize, even her closest friends didn't realize how unhappy she was in her marriage. Oh, wow. And we know this now because in her notes app on her phone, there was a memo titled, Why I Want a Divorce. Girl, you got to make it, you got to make it say milk or something like, like a grocery <laughs> list, you know? list, right? Yeah. <laughs> PTA volunteer information. By the way, if you ever go through my phone, don't look up milk in my notepad. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you got to change that, bud. I've got to change it now to like popcorn or some other yeah, grocery list yeah. item. You stop listing them because you're going to run out of ideas. <laughs> well, I usually, I have, because I, I have, obviously we all have like secret notes in our mo- memo pad or most of us do. I, I, I don't know think if you do. I mean, I do. I, if, if I ever, certainly do. Imagine everyone listening is like, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just you and There's me. There's one person out there who would validate us, I think. But uh, no, like I have like ones that's like certain like birthday gift lists and like things I want to mention in therapy. And like, mm-hmm. like, obviously there are things that like, if you ever want to find out my deepest darkest disease, it's probably on a notepad somewhere. And oh, like, same. you don't just title it like the most like obvious thing possible. Well, she did. Okay. And it was called Why I Want a Divorce. And uh, it was basically a pros and cons list for decision making about this but it was only cons it was like a con con, con pro cons and cons list right like it, no pros it, right just just bad just, just bad all, things all negative things got it so it was last updated in december of 2014 and she wrote that richard took money from bank accounts that weren't his so that is a big one i would say for wanting a divorce yeah that one's that one makes a lot of sense okay that's a big one um she also said he was an unfit parent acts mm. uncaring toward her doesn't come home on time and acts like a kid constantly mm. apparently according to this note he also took out a credit card in her name and she didn't know it. we don't know if she knew this at the time but the suspicion is she did not know that he used it to spend over a thousand dollars on flowers and dates with his girlfriend that he oh, was cheating on her with Richard. with a card in her name like how twisted yeah, that's a that's someone made an impulsive choice and did not think that through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> or did one. and did it anyway, which is yeah. equally as fucked up. Oh yeah, didn't Whether, even care. Yeah, didn't care. Whether Connie suspected like why he was spending this way was unclear, but she was mad about the overspending itself because again, she's like the responsible one. She's trying to keep the family afloat and together, sure, and yeah. happy, and he's just like fucking around and making. And lying and stealing money from her. It's just like all, it's it's messy. And nobody outside of the family knew this, right? 
So, I mean, thankfully she did title this note because we were able to, I mean, we, the investigators were able to find it later and be like, aha, there's a whole, she literally wrote a list of all the things that were wrong. Um, that actually does work out really well right? on her paper. Yeah. Yeah. So it seemed like Connie was trying to talk herself into like making this decision, but she never got the chance because three days before Christmas 2015, police received a signal from a home security system at the Debate Estate at 10.16 a.m. Mm. Two minutes later at 10.18, Richard tried to call 911, but he misdialed. At 10.19, he got through, and when he spoke to them, he sounded confused and he was moaning in pain. So police arrived at 10.30. They saw blood on the top of the basement stairs trailing toward the kitchen, and that's where they found Richard. Mm. Richard was lying face down on the kitchen floor, and he was bound to a brown aluminum folding chair by zip ties. Yikes. The chair was on top of him. One hand was bound. Both ankles were bound, and there was a zip tie around his neck securing him Mm. to the chair. Yikes. Richard was moaning in pain. He told officers there's still someone in the house. So police called for backup. And one responding officer even thought Richard was dead because that's how still he was laying in the kitchen. Oh, my God. And when they asked him what happened, he said there was a break in. And they said, you know, can you describe this person? He said a tall man in camouflage and a mask had broken in and attacked them. He said he watched the intruder shoot Connie in the (gasps) basement. Oh, my God. So officers found Connie, indeed, in the basement, dead of two gunshot wounds, one to the stomach and one to the back of her head. Oh, my God. It's so fucked up. Beside Connie was a box cutter, a hammer, a butane torch, and some burnt papers. Mm. There was also a Ruger 357 Magnum handgun nearby. So when EMS arrived to help Richard, they unbound him and found small superficial cuts on his chest and thighs. A canine unit arrived on scene and began tracking, and the dog's job was to follow scents, not just at the scene, but specifically scents that led away from the scene to try and track where a fleeing suspect might have gone, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So instead of following a scent leading away from the crime scene, the dog followed the scent out of the basement and then back inside the house. Mm. Weird. The officer led the dog away and said, okay, let's try one more time. Uh, They initiated a new track to identify a foreign scent at the scene. This time, the dog tried to climb into the ambulance where Richard had been moved to. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So the officer removed the dog from the area and tried a third time, this time in a different spot, trying to find any hidden track. The dog failed to find a single scent leading away from the scene. It just followed Richard's scent the whole time. Hmm. A second and third canine unit responded, and likewise, every single dog failed to find a trace of anyone fleeing the scene. Hmm. And he also only had one hand mm-hmm. zip-tied. Interesting. Okay. Good good eye, or good ear. Good ear. Good, good brain, ear. really. Good br- I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Well, that, that <laughs> little chunk that was used was pretty good today. Good so. nerve, nerve ending, or whatever yeah. figured that out. <laughs> good one cell that made it all the way. <laughs> Richard described the intruder as six feet tall, at least, stocky with a deep voice. He actually described him as sounding like, uh, who's the Fast and Furious guy? Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel. Like, literally, (laughs) they played in the Deadline uh, episode, they played the interview, and you can hear him saying, he had a Vin Diesel-like voice. (laughs) Okay. He said he couldn't name the skin tone of the person, 
but he could identify that he sounded like Vin Diesel. Which, like, I could I could argue that someone in crisis, you never know what part you're going to focus on. That's fair. So, sure, maybe that was almost, like, so weird that it would have made sense. Yeah. But, okay. Yep, exactly. That's a good point. Your maybe one, your one neuron that's sparking like picked up on the Vin Diesel thing. It's like I've seen Fast and Furious. Well, I feel like if like a guy that looked like Brad Pitt like yeah. was broken to my house, you'd be like, that fucking guy looked like Brad Pitt. That's crazy. Like, you know? <laughs> They're like, how tall is he? I don't fucking know. How tall is Brad Pitt? Yeah. <laughs> how dreamy were his eyes? I don't know. Think about Brad Pitt. I got you lost in them. I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how he described him, which was like odd, but you know, like you said. I'm sure odder things have happened when people are in shock. So essentially he said this guy who sounded like, what do we say? Vin Diesel. Why can't mm-hmm. I remember his name? I want to keep on saying Van Halen or. You could also just call him Groot because they were the same person. So. Okay. He sounded like Groot. Although didn't Groot mm-hmm. just say Groot? Yeah. <laughs> he actually looked like a tree when he was in the house. It was crazy. Oh, wait, it was actually a tree. I looked at Yeah, up. the okay. dogs tried smelling for him. They just peed on it and They peed on it. Oh, okay. So he described him as having a Vin Diesel voice dressed in all camouflage with gloves and a mask on. And so, of course, they're thinking, well, it's broad daylight in a residential neighborhood. Somebody must have seen him. So they start canvassing the area. They set up perimeters. This is the investigators, I mean, to question passersby. But nobody in the neighborhood notes seeing anything strange. And I want to point out here um, that, again, I keep referencing this uh, episode of Dateline, but it was really fascinating to hear from her friends and the neighbors because one neighbor said her kids were on the couch watching the ipad and all of a sudden police just like swarmed the neighbors her, like her best friend's house uh, down Ooh. the street or across the street and then came to her door and said we're searching the area there's an, there is an intruder and like potential killer on the loose in the neighborhood and you need to take your kids and get in the powder room and shut the door while we search your house to clear it like Oy. it's terrifying and so you know she's probably uh, i don't want to speak for her but i would have been absolutely traumatized by like a police officer just showing up and being like get in the bathroom there's a killer oh, yeah. on the loose and he might be in your house like yeah so she said oh i just i hid the kids behind the toilet and i like and he said only open the bathroom door if i knock twice like that's the signal that we've cleared the house but at mm. the time they really thought like there's a killer a maniac on the loose yeah. and so yeah. they're searching all these people's houses um, and again, this is a very quiet, like idyllic neighborhood. So, of course, the last place anyone expects this kind of thing. But nobody sees the guy. Nobody, none of the neighbors have seen the guy. And Richard is at the hospital. Um, he's pretty pretty quickly cleared of any injuries, and he is brought in for questioning. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Richard tells investigators, uh, this is his timeline. Okay, so at 8.10 a.m., he dropped his two sons, who are six and nine, off at their bus stop. Then he went home, said goodbye to Connie, who was getting ready to go to her spin class at YMCA. He watched her back out of the driveway, and then he left right after her. Halfway to work, however, he realized he forgot his laptop, so he turned around. On the way back home, his phone pinged and sent him a notification that the house alarm system had been tripped and was going off. Hmm. So he said he assumed he'd set it wrong. So he went inside to fix it and nothing seemed out of place. So he went upstairs to double check the house. And he said, this is when he spots this intruder in a closet going through Mm. his stuff. And he says the intruder manhandled him, pulled a knife on him, threatened him and demanded his bank information, passwords, pin numbers, etc. 
Then this intruder said, I'm going to sit here patiently and wait for your family to get home. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, shit. So tragically, Connie came home, likely have also having gotten the alarm notification or maybe her spin class had been canceled. Either way, she enters the house and Richard yells at her to run. The intruder makes his way to the stairs and Richard runs after him. He first tells the police he fell down the stairs. Then he tells the police he was pushed down the stairs by the intruder. Either way, he fell down the stairs while he hears Connie heading for the basement. And why Mm. would she go to the basement, you think? Well, he said they kept his gun down there. And Mm. he said she was probably going to get the gun when she hears there's an intruder in the house. So Richard chases after the intruder who was chasing after Connie, into the basement. And then he hears, as he's approaching, he hears a shot, a gunshot ring out that is so loud, he said he couldn't hear anything else for five minutes. Mm. Notably, though, let's take a pause, because I want to tell you that Richard's story tended to change uh, Mm. several times when he retold it. In one version, he said he he saw Connie get shot very outright saw it happen when questioned again he described the scene very differently then on a third explanation he said oh no connie actually was fighting with the intruder and then he shot her and then in a fourth explanation he said it was too dark to see anything at all so he just heard the gunshot didn't see it okay Hmm. so already really fishy uh in the basement remember there were they found those burnt papers next to like a butane torch Mm -hmm. so the intruder for some reason was burning papers near connie's body with a butane torch then he allegedly forced richard back upstairs where he subdued him bound him to a chair and then tormented him using the torch to singe him and randomly poking his chest and thighs with the box cutter although richard described it as him saying he wasn't overly aggressive with the box cutter just oh. gentle stabbing he was just tickling you with the box He's cutter. just a little tickle it's just a little fun game you know Meanwhile, I would think if someone has already has the adrenaline of having just murdered somebody, shooting someone, just shooting somebody, and now you've got a whole witness, mm-hmm. that person's so dead. Yeah, so, he, so well, dead. he's gonna just do a little paper cut. I don't think so. That's exactly exactly what they were thinking. Yeah. And when they said, "Well, what did he sound like?" aside from this Vin Diesel thing, he said, "I couldn't hear anything he said because my ears were still ringing from the gunshot." Okay. Okay, but you were able to know what he sounded like before. Yeah. Oh, I see. I guess. I think I guess he's he had- just. I think he, this was just his way of saying, "Oh, I couldn't. I, I couldn't understand what he was saying, or like, you know, why he was doing this. I couldn't understand what he was saying." But when the attacker left, Richard somehow made his way to the alarm panel panic button to signal police for help. He said he get this screamed for help, and then a gentleman came in the house, saw the scene, and called nine one one, and then left and never identified himself. Hmm. A gentleman. Cool. A gentleman. Although, to be fair, if I heard someone screaming and I walked in on that scene, I would also not want to stick around, but I would call the police for them. You have to stick around. Oh, I didn't even know that. Well, I mean, if you've witnessed something, like, you're going to be, you need to describe what you saw. That's true. I've I've seen... Have- I've- I've called the police before and then asked them, do I have to stay or can I leave? Oh, I think it, I think it, 
I'm I'm assuming in this case they'd be like, please wait there because a couple of oh, times right. I've called the I've called nine one one for like I saw an elderly woman get hit by a car and she flew like fifteen mm. feet. It was horrifying, um, and she survived thankfully. But it was just one of those moments of like slow motion just horror and so of course i called 911 and they were like please stay there so we can you know ask you what you saw and write down you know the details and make sure she's okay you know and i think in, especially if you're calling for a medical emergency they instruct you like how to do CPR. oh really because i've called i've called for a medical emergency before but on yourself they- or what no, like I was driving, I straight up saw a person. I'm only starting to giggle out of nervousness, but I saw a guy literally without his arm. Like it would, <laughs> it was recently gone. And he was just walking around, just like. Okay, blood I don't think everywhere. they would expect you to get yourself involved in that. Um, and I called and I was like, I don't know how to say this, but this man clearly just lost his arm and is Holy. walking around like, like he might be on adrenaline and not even know what's going on. He might be on <gasps> drugs and not know what's going on. And they were like, what did he look like? And I was like, it might have been a white shirt, but it's fully red now. So (gasps) red shirt, I guess. And then I was literally in my car when I saw this happening, like across like the highway. And I was like, I have no way of getting to him. I have. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's different. I think if you were to walk into a house and be like, I see a guy laying on the ground. He's begging for help. Like they'd be like, "Okay." ask him yeah. what happened or something i mean I just... i'd still i'd still at least hide somewhere until the cops got there and then re-show myself and yeah be like, understandable like you don't know if the perpetrator's still there or yeah. you know if you're in danger but it's also like why would you walk into someone else's house and like, no that makes sense for call sure 911 like it's just very weird and then disappeared and and, and never said anything like wouldn't you be like yeah. hey i'm what happened here i'm calling 911 it seems it's like just... a very ap- important anonymous tip yeah yes it's <laughs> It's just like so bizarre, especially in a neighborhood where everyone knows each other. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not oh, like yeah. a random yeah. apartment complex where you don't know. It just struck them as odd. Um, mm-hmm. So the community, of course, is shocked. Um, it's so violent, so brutal, so terrifying. This neighborhood's known to be safe, very calm. Um, Richard made a, and of course, the person, uh, Connie, who was killed, was just a a quote light like a favorite mm-hmm. of everybody's like just so everyone great... knew her so yeah, everyone someone... knew her so mm-hmm. if they were a random neighbor walking by they'd know they whose was... house that was yeah exactly so richard made a public statement on facebook for his friends and family after the incident and i'm gonna read some of it to you okay this is a screenshot of richard's post as most of you know by now connie and by the way tagged connie's profile which I find kind of weird. I don't, maybe that's not weird. I don't know, but it's like a link to her profile. Maybe it's not weird. As most of you know, by now, Connie has been taken from us far too early. The volume of loving friends, family, and acquaintances who we saw at services is a testament at how much she touched the lives of others. Many questions unanswered, but we are all doing our best to move forward as impossible as it seems. We try to stay strong for the boys. RJ and Connor need me now more than ever. Both my family and Connie's have been so incredibly helpful and loving to those boys. Our friends and neighbors have also been showing an amazing amount of support. To all of you, I say thank you. And Connie thanks you. She was also much better than I about communication on social media. While I reserved it for irrelevant current event talks, jokes, geek rants, etc., she used it in a more meaningful way. Although we all know she was pretty solid in the jokes department. 
it's going to take me some time to get a rhythm here on FB, but I'm going to use it how Connie used the Caring for Connor page. Not only did she post important information about Connor's medical journey, but it was therapeutic for her. Many times as she shared items, she helped someone else or someone helped us. I'm going to turn to my Facebook family quite a bit. And it goes on. But anyway, that's just an idea of like his statement following Mm. the murder. And uh, the friends in the episode also described the aftermath. So like the wake and the funeral very strangely. And they said at the time they never, ever, ever, ever suspected he could have had anything to do with it. Right. But he was acting very weird. And again, they said, like, maybe it was shock. We just didn't know. But I want to point out a couple of those things. So first of all, at the wake, they the friends and they were like best friends, these three. And they were they lived in the same neighborhood and they called themselves like the three amigos and they are BFFs. Right. So the two friends come to Connie's wake and they are standing in line to pay their respects. And like three hours in, they finally reach Rick and they're just like, you know, we're so sorry. And he goes, how did you know my wife? And they're like, huh? Like they they know, like they know each other. Like they've, it's just very odd. And they were like, we just kind of let it go because maybe he's just like in shock and isn't understanding reality. But it was, it would be like, me going to your wake and Allison being like, how did you know my partner? You know, it's like, yeah, like, it's just so strange. Like, what do you mean? Like, what an odd question. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe he was trying to act just so discombobulated that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And like, maybe that wasn't even part of it. I don't know. But, it, you know, they were start- they were just noting some very strange behaviors like he they stuck around at the burial and he just like left almost immediately. Like he wasn't part of it. He apparently texted the group of friends like, Hey, great neighbors. Uh, what's some good takeout around here? Like days, like days or weeks after the murder. And they were like, what? Like, or he's like, where do we get good takeout? Where do you usually order from? And they're like, why are you texting us this? Like, why is that even on your mind right now? You know? Um, yeah. Also like the Facebook post seemed a little odd. Like it felt like it was more like, I'll take on these tasks versus like we're heartbroken. Yeah. It's sort of like, Oh, my kids need me now more than ever. And obviously we have hindsight, you know, 2020, but it's like, God, I don't know. Also like, I guess people heal differently and that's how anyone would have justified it, I guess at the time. Yeah, exactly. So neighbors are not really aware that this is going on, but behind the scenes, police are starting to, add up all these red flags um and something that they also talked about was another suspect who kind of came up around this time because when they asked neighbors you know did anybody did they have any enemies pretty much everyone in the neighborhood said yes there is a contractor that they had just sued in small claims court and Mm. they had a very bad relationship with him apparently he had promised to do some work on the bathroom but then the changes that they wanted were too expensive and they refused you know they didn't want to whatever you know classic like contractor conflict situation and they ended up suing him in small claims court and settled but um they said you know this has been like a very fraught relationship with this guy and so you know if 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 you're looking for someone who may have had a motive check this contractor out Mm -hmm. so they do check out the contractor and first of all he's pretty small 
not over six feet, not stocky, and his voice does not sound like Vin Diesel. So pretty right away, they're like, mm, this isn't really a fit. Also, his alibi completely checks out. So this mm-hmm. guy is off the table, and now nobody else can think of a possible suspect who would have wanted her dead. Mm-hmm. So as they're you know, asking Richard over and over again for his story... Again, it continues to change every single time. So originally, he says he sees Connie leave the house for her spinning class. Then he says, oh, wait, actually, I left before her while she's still in the garage. Mm. He originally said, I left for work at 830. Then he changed it to 820. Then he changed it to later than earlier. And when they checked his phone, there was no alarm notification. And he said, oh, I deleted it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, by the way, I don't know. I know this was several years ago, but like on ADT, you can like see, like, why would you delete? Whatever. It doesn't matter because it's all bullshit. But he said the intruder forced him to the chair in a headlock. But then later he said the intruder used some sort of special pressure point technique to grab him by the wrist and walk him like a dog to the chair. Okay. Okay. Things okay. just were not clear. They were like, well, what do you think these papers were that he was burning? He's like, I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. He said, the more I talk to you, the police, the less I remember. Because the questioning apparently was freaking him out. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm just waiting for it to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to wait a long time. Yeah. Uh, so there was also the question of Richard's injuries or more notably lack thereof. According to Richard, he was thrown around the room by a huge assailant who then pushed him down a flight of stairs, dragged him across the room, bound him to a chair, threatened him with a blowtorch, and started gently stabbing him with a box cutter. And the issue was that according to his medical records, when he was examined right after the attack, and again in the following days and weeks, there were virtually zero signs of any trauma on his body. There were no defensive wounds. There were no push down the stair wounds. There were no burn marks. Like, it, nothing matched up to the story he was telling. Mm. According to the arrest warrant specifically, there were, quote, no bruises, abrasions, other cuts, or lacerations noted on the body of debate to indicate any struggle had occurred. Not even on his pressure points on his wrists that he said the guy was using to drag I him mean, across the room. Obviously, like, I I guess if he, if I'm going to commit a murder and then look like I was another victim, I would have to commit to, like, also hurting myself you'd think but like he was clearly too afraid to actually hurt himself like yeah he's like was... oh well he was just very gentle with the <laughs> exacto knife or whatever it's like because... well was he gentle with the gun five minutes ago yeah no it doesn't make any sense and it's like ugh, what a bastard to be like oh well he didn't want to hurt me but <laughs> like you might as well have made up a story that you showed up after like and why even say i fell down the stairs when like you don't even have a bruise yeah it's just like you didn't even need to add that like he was just adding shit to make it seem and you know what they say people who lie add way more detail than people who are telling the truth because they're trying to prove (laughs) their Mm -hmm. story and it's like yeah i'm seeing how this is happening because he's saying the same details but differently every time he's adding shit to the story it's like something is fishy here my friend Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the shallow so he had these very shallow superficial punctures from this box cutter and they lined up in a way with such an angle and consistency that guess what they appeared to be self-inflicted what a surprise Mm -hmm. after the exam at the hospital he pretty much walked away without a scratch um or maybe with like a scratch and that's it but a gentle one a gentle a very gentle stab uh in his arm 
and he left without any pain. So police, this is a good question that I hadn't thought of until I read this research, which is that police asked Richard why he never got up and checked on Connie while he was mm-hmm. waiting for help. He mm-hmm. had a free arm like you noticed, a free leg. He was able to get to the alarm panel and it seemed like he was physically fine. So why were you lying on the floor of the kitchen moaning in pain when you had no injuries? And why didn't you go check on your wife who was shot downstairs? It didn't make any yeah. sense. So Richard said, well, I was afraid that someone would come back and shoot me if I did anything. But like he was screaming for help and calling 911 and hitting the alarm panel. So that's a bullshit excuse. Mm-hmm. Things started looking worse for Richard when they found out about his affair. And he actually had told them pretty early on, even in the hospital bed, he was already talking about this affair uh, because he kind of wanted to get ahead of it. And he's like, hey, Mm -hmm. I know this sounds crazy, but like I'm having an affair and I want to get it out there before it comes back on me. And in the Dateline episode, you can literally hear the beeping of, like, the hospital. Oh, God. Like, you hear, like, the beeping because he's in a hospital. And so he's telling them, you know, I have been in this relationship. Apparently, this affair has been going on for seven years on and off. And uh, most notably of all, they find out that his girlfriend is pregnant. Oh, shit. Uh Uh-oh. And when questioned, Richard assured the officers that not only did Connie know about the affair and the pregnancy, but she was considering co-parenting the child with Richard and his girlfriend in order to keep their families together for the sake of their sons. Mm. He clearly didn't know about this memo in her phone that said reasons for a divorce because... Well, if he had, that certainly would have been deleted deleted. before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is nuts. In fact, he said Connie wanted a third child, according to Richard, but she was having trouble conceiving. So they recruited, yep, recruited Sarah as a surrogate. But when the surrogacy didn't work out, like getting semen, they went the quote old fashioned way and he just had sex with her to get her pregnant. Oh my God. I know. I know. So he's what telling a story. This, th- what a story. He's telling this story and saying, oh, it was actually her idea. And they were like, what? They're like, wait, so your girlfriend or your wife was okay with you having sex with your girlfriend to get her pregnant? And he said, oh, no, it was actually her idea. And it's like, okay. okay. Likely story. So that's what he's telling people. And in that same literal same conversation, beeping still going on in the background, he starts to change the story. Uh, they pressed him a little bit on this, saying, like, really? Your wife really wanted this? And he said, well, actually, it started off as cheating, and she didn't know about it at first. And he said, but Connie cheated, too. And they never found any evidence of that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Finally, after a little more pressing, he admits that the whole affair was a secret from Connie. She had no idea, and the pregnancy was an accident. Well, duh. Why didn't you just start with that? Because he thought he could outsmart them. Also, like, wouldn't they have just interrogated her? And she would have been like, yeah, obviously the wife does not know about this. Yeah. Well, I will say I misspoke a little bit because he did still at this point insist that Connie knew about the affair. Not that Mm. she knew about the pregnancy, not that she had anything to do with the pregnancy, but he said she did know about the affair and was fine with it. Mm -hmm. But... 
of course, when they find this memo saying reasons for divorce and there's no, like, he's having an affair on the top of the list, they're like, I don't think she knew about this. Yeah, I, uh, hmm, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, because if she knew that he was spending a thousand bucks on a credit card in her name, but didn't specify on his girlfriend, she probably didn't know. You know, I think right. that would have made the cut. The note did, however, say, quote, he is never happy. Nothing I ever do is good enough. He swears at me. He was not sympathetic when my dad got diagnosed. He let me just cry without helping. He never keeps his promises to me in regards to getting my son's medical records together for doctor's appointments. He teaches the kids nothing. He never helps with their homework. I have to do it all. He gets mad at me. He drinks and drives. He just screams all the time. So this was in the list of, you know, why to get it or reasons to get a divorce. She had also, as they uh, as they went through her technology, her computer, they found out she had been searching how to avoid traumatizing children during divorce, mm. which makes me feel extra sad because obviously she was clearly thinking about the whole family, about the family, the kids. And then, like, of course, the most traumatizing thing of all happened. Mm -hmm. It's just horrible. Six and nine. She was also researching how to settle on shared custody. She wanted their potential divorce to be peaceful, to keep the kids safe and, you know, protected. She did have a couple pros on the list, just a couple. And she mentioned that he sometimes babysits the children. Yikes. Gross. Sometimes gives her neck rubs and that he's fun to be around when he's in a good mood. Those were the only benefits to being in a relationship with this guy. So that he does, so he every now and then rubs your neck. Yeah. And then, and then every now and then agrees to watch the children he chose to have. Exactly. With you. Yeah. He babysits them. Like, and then every now and then he's in a good mood and during that good mood wants to spend it with you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds you, like you a real it. catch. Sounds like Sounds, a catch. Yeah. And she didn't even, and, and that's why when they said like they looked through it and this affair wasn't on the list like it would have been in there this is an extremely detailed note like all of her friends and family said too you know if she had known she'd be pissed like she wouldn't have mm -hmm. just said okay and moved on right yep the list is extensive okay this list about why she should get a divorce she never mentioned an affair never mentioned a pregnancy um it did not seem like she knew so the woman Richard was seeing, they had known each other since middle school. She even had read a reading at Richard and Connie's wedding. Yikes. That's awful. At first, she didn't like the idea of breaking up this marriage. She said she didn't want to break up a family. And when she realized she was pregnant, she planned to raise the baby on her own. But Richard kept insisting to her that his marriage to Connie was unhappy and he wanted to raise their child together. And so, of course, when Richard is telling police this, he knows this is a bad look. He said to the police, this story popped up like a freaking soap opera. He's like, can you <laughs> believe the odds? You know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a weird dink. However, more issues came up because friends knew Connie as being very vocally anti-gun. She was afraid of guns. She never wanted one in the house. So it would not be her instinct to run and grab a gun if someone were in the house. It would be your Especially like probably to an leave. Also in every horror movie, like we the first thing you yell at people about is running down into the basement into when you could basement. run out the door. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he's like, well, that's where I kept my gun. And it's like, her friends were like, she would not have gone and gotten that gun. She wouldn't have even thought of the gun, you know? 
Yeah, she would have ran. And the only reason there was a gun in the house, by the way, is because Richard said he became worried months earlier when someone apparently tried to break into his car in the driveway through the windshield. And he said he wanted to get a gun to protect himself. But guess what? When they went back through the officer's report, the responding officer had noticed that the windshield had been broken from the inside of the car. Mm. So he broke his own windshield and then said, well, I guess I should get a gun because we're not safe. So Which is super... I was going to say that. So he was months out Isn't on that this. horrible? Like so sinister. Like to know that for months, like you're, or I guess she never had to worry about it, I guess. But like if she knew that the last several months you were living with this person, he plans on killing you. It's horrific. Horrific. Mm. Or for the kids to find out, you know, it's just horrible. And he used that incident as the excuse to buy the gun. And by the time of the crime, he had two guns. So the gun he purchased in October was the gun that he used to kill Connie in December. Now, this is where things take an interesting twist, because with evidence mounting, police looked at some unassuming clues that Richard clearly had not thought of. And that was the data from Connie's Fitbit tracker. Mm. They were able. So she had a Fitbit that she uh, attached to her waistband and he did not think to remove that or destroy it or hide it. Because they were able to track her steps, her movement, her heart rate, and they were able to follow her morning from the time she woke up when she put the thing on, went to the YMCA, got home at 923, and at the time that he had originally said she was supposedly running from the intruder, her heart rate and movement were normal, she was calm, just walking around the house, and in the time between Connie coming home from the YMCA and her last movement, which is so horrific, at 10.05 when she died, she had walked over 1,200 feet in total. Mm. And investigators measured this. They said if Connie had come home, walked in from the car, heard Richard yelling to run, and sprinted toward the basement, she would have traveled maybe 150 feet, not right. 1,200. So minutes later, after she's supposedly running from this intruder, the second floor motion sensor went to sleep and like nobody was up there so it's mm-hmm. not even tracking movement and meanwhile he's saying he went upstairs found this intruder in the closet and they're having this big battle no the motion sensors upstairs were off nothing was happening meanwhile at 9 40 uh again while she's supposedly fighting for her life connie was posting multiple videos to facebook and minutes later she sent a message on facebook messenger to a friend all of which was during this time when Richard said she was fighting for her life with this home invader and was within 30 minutes before she was killed. Mm. So the data did not stop there because in the months leading up to the attack, they were able to search Richard's search history. Great. Yep. Guess what he Googled? Everything from how long until a body starts to smell and how to shoot somebody quietly and how to... Every the the huge, I the guess. Huge. It's so fucking stupid. How he, to kill your wife and get away with it without your two sons finding I mean, out it, right like, away? It might as well be, you know? He wrote Deadly over the counter pill combinations, tasteless, poison, easily available. <laughs> <laughs> I I bet he searched tasteless poison first and then was like, No, these are too complicated to get. 
this is how I know that like we don't actually have FBI agents like staring like individually tasked with each of us because you know people say like oh my FBI agent obviously knows I want this jacket because yeah. it keeps showing up on my computer. If we did, that FBI agent was sleeping on the goddamn job that day. He should have been like, uh, "Mr. President, this guy <laughs> is like obviously going to kill his wife." Mr. Next President, week. we have somebody we need to intercept because <laughs> yeah. he's trying to easily obtain, I don't know, arsenic. Okay. Yeah. 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 How many apple seeds does it take to... Right. It's so fucking... It's so cliche. You know, it's embarrassing. So he writes, tasteless poison, easily available, untraceable homemade poison. How much ethylene glycol is lethal? And he also Googled Connie's spin class schedule uh, at 945, which... So he's Googling during the time frame where he said he's battling it out with this home invader. Like, he's even leaving a trail. I feel like even, okay, I promise I don't have any murderous tendencies, but if I were to like, if I were to even think about committing murder in the year of 2023, right? I would think, well, technology would absolutely out me. So like, why would I, like, there's no, like between Facebook, Fitbit, his texting, the security Who do we think we're kidding that we're going to get away with it, right? Like, who do we think we're kidding? I would, even if I wanted to commit some sort of crime and technology would somehow you know, let the cat out of the bag. I'm not even trying it at that point. I'd be no, like, well, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And like, even when you do take measures to prevent looking guilty, then you look guilty because well, why would you turn your phone off for three hours when you've never turned your phone off before? Is it yep. to avoid being traced? Like there's, it's really a hard thing to do. And I think the only way a lot of these people get away with it is because they just somehow convince a jury or, you know, they're, or it's just, classic like justice system thing of like there's just i don't know things just take too long or things Mm -hmm. are bungled or they don't look at evidence properly i don't know i i feel like i would not trust my odds (laughs) at trying to beat technology you know oh yeah i mean but then i hear about people like this who don't even go in incognito mode and i'm like fucking amateurs you know yeah like not again, like, not that I condone well, like also, any of like, this, but it's one of those things of like people who are just like, I guess one of the main characteristics of a killer at this point is like a- absurd amount of confidence. Yep. But like for you to really think you could get away from the internet. I mean, there's a reason why there's like government doomsday preppers that are terrified of the internet. Like they know that they're being tracked. I know without being a doomsday prepper that I'm being tracked. Yeah. How is like Joe Schmo who thinks he's, apparently king and can kill whoever he wants and get away with it how is he so blissfully unaware that google and any app you use and your phone in general and the internet and ev- all of it's watching you like it's, and like you type something how did into you th- google what do you think a search history is like how did you think you would get away with it i just don't understand the like complete it's it's got to be some sort of factor on like spontaneity of like oh i'll figure it out when we get there it's like what do you mean like you have to plan like just an element of narcissism of like they won't look there you know i yeah like who knows what the thought process is if there is one and you know i i know it was like the 2000 like it was what now 2014 so what eight years ago i'm so bad at math no, I mean, technically years. now it's nine years ago, but it's really eight, eight-ish. Oh, I, but yeah. the, like, but s- that was still plenty of time for someone People to understand how the internet history. works. Like, yeah. you know about Google search history. I mean, you Google, like, that is just, if a jury's going to buy anything, it's like, oh, he Googled how to kill his wife. Mm-hmm. Hello? Like, how much more obvious can you get? Mm. 
whether it's circumstantial or not, it's still pretty fucking damning to say, oh, he was searching how to kill her and then she just happened to die. Just like so it's horrible. And to know that he was in the ha- under the same roof with her and the kids and searching like how to poison her is well, also so like it like up. a bit of a sidestep. But the fact that he was looking up how to poison her to get away with it that way and he basically was able to figure out it would be impossible to do. So then he just resorted to like, shooting this her? elaborate tale about getting like my windshield broken i mean like it's horrible how much he wanted her dead it's it's like and for what like for what like what was your reason like really to really run away with sarah and like raise the baby i just i just can't imagine ever it's beyond me it really is Mm. beyond me so he's searching her spin class to figure out what time she's gonna get home and this is this just adds like a sinister twist here because the day before Connie's death, uh, she and Richard had had a disagreement, and um, usually her texts with him were very, uh, very sweet, and she called him sweet pea and buttercup. Um, oh, by the way, they looked at the text between him and Sarah, and the day before the murder, he called her his oh god, what did he call her? His love nugget or something. Ew. Yeah, something weird like that. <laughs> like, Gross. Oh, cool. Um, but the day before <laughs> Nugget, I don't like it. That's kind of it's crazy. Okay. Anyway. I don't even know if that's right. I could probably be totally off, but it was something that kind of made me go, oh, you know. Um, probably somebody out there's like, that's what I say to my lo- my partner. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to I mean, I y- I call mine stinky witch. I know. So I'm really not trying have- to yuck anyone's yum. I think it's just the the fact that he's texting this woman under the same roof while he's po- trying to poison his Googling how to poison his wife and he's texting yeah. his lover. Yeah, it just adds like a sinister element to it. Um but anyway, the day before uh Connie's death, they had, had this argument and it was about a bill. Mm-hmm. She found a bill and he was lying about it so it sounds like she was in the right and was cornering him and she said well once again i have to clean up your mess and she said quote great day off and merry fucking christmas oh so they were in bad shape that day shortly after her death richard tried to collect on connie's four hundred and fifty thousand dollar life insurance policy but the insurance company denied him And apparently when Richard found out his girlfriend was pregnant, he had started taking large sums of money out of their bank accounts, his and his wife's, as much as $175,000. Jeez. Yes. In January of 2016, he took $90,000 out of a Fidelity account that belonged to Connie. Hmm. After a lengthy investigation, Richard was arrested in April of 2017. Uh, the warrant was nearly 50 pages long. They had gathered so much Jeez. evidence to arrest him. Uh, there was kind of a, a hiccup because, like I said, these things move so slowly sometimes in the justice system uh, that March of 2020 is when the court date was scheduled. And what do we mm. think happened March of 2020? I think he couldn't make it in that day. I think it was postponed due to a little illness that was going around. So did he end up just like getting house arrest for two years or something? Yep. <gasps> he Shut the fuck up. Yep. He was able to uh, post his million dollar bond and was basically free until the trial started. So, you know, living life. 
I think uh, Connie's brother described it as like the only one dancing and singing in the street is him. Like he's the only one having a good time. Everyone yeah. else is like devastated about this loss, is reeling, is trying to recover. And he's just like, woo, I'm free, you know, and fucking around. I can't. That's just the cruelest. Like yeah. where, did he, where did his kids go during quarantine too, by the I way? I think they were with him. I'm pretty positive. He got to just raise his kids mm-hmm. and just basically live like everyone else, as free as everyone else. Once he went to jail, he they were moved, I believe, to their grandparents' house or just another family member. But yeah, he was with them for quite a time. Um, the Finally, the trial did take place. It was about five weeks long. It was revealed during the trial that there was gunshot residue on Richard's shirt, uh, and Richard gave very unconvincing testimony also, they interviewed, or they had uh, Sarah, the the pregnant girlfriend, on the stand, mm-hmm. and she was kind of defending him. It was she was a little abrasive. Uh, mm-hmm. They said she wasn't like belligerent by any means, but she was like pretty abrasive, and it was clear that she was, you know, not looking to put him away. If that makes sense. Wow. Either way. Richard was found guilty after the trial, and uh, this was August of 2022. He finally, seven years after the crime, was sentenced to 65 years in prison. And after the hearing outside the courthouse, Connie's brother said, it enables us to get a little bit of closure, even though it won't bring Connie back. As a family, we can move forward. Mm. So that is the story. I mean, taken way too soon. And, And to post that on Facebook and be like, Oh, she was taken too soon, and my kids need me now more than ever. It's like, you just took their mother away. Yeah, they don't need you. You took their fucking mother away. They needed both of you, and you just fucking took both of them away. Like, it's beyond me that how you could do this. Mm. Wow. What, do we know where the kids are today? They live now with a family member, I guess? You know, I'm not sure. I think since they're minors, they don't really share much about that. Um, sure. What I heard was that they went to, yeah, a family member. Jeez. Yeah. That's so sad. I can't even imagine like their life now. They have to just, just upended, you know, make it work. And, and like, no, that shouldn't have had to happen. And I always wonder about that feeling of like, if a parent is in jail for the murder of your other parent, like, do you have to just tell yourself like they didn't do it? They're innocent. Do you? I mean, I'm sure it's like a constant struggle of like, it's still your dad, but like, do you reject that relationship? You know, mm. I, I just always wonder how that is, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but it's just so dark. Wow. Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, and I, I also want to point out, a lot of times people call this the Fitbit murder, but uh, her family has kind of said they'd prefer to shy away from that because it's kind of... I'm sure Fitbit would also like to shy away from yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's true, too. <laughs> that's true, too. But yeah, so, you know, I think it's just a kind of makes it a little too lighthearted of a... Yeah, of a makes sense. ...phrase. But yeah, so you know what? This fucking guy, the husband did it. Wow. Everyone send good energy to those kids because they really need it. I know. Um, know. Wow. I don't think you've done one that was that recent in a long time either. Yeah. I, you know, I felt that way too. I felt like this was very much one like ripped from the headlines, you know. Yeah, it was like five months ago. 2022 being the the trial. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm Crazy. Crazy. Well, thank you for <laughs> thank you for the story. <laughs> you are so welcome. Um, I'm glad I coughed and sneezed through it a lot less Me than last too. week. Other than that, I I don't know. Is there 
any news we got to tell people anything we got we got going on listen we're about to be on tour maybe are already on tour uh we're already on tour i think this is our first week on tour or ah, last week shit. was you're right we just the day this comes out we just did our first shows phoenix and anaheim Whew, and i'm really hoping i didn't pass out on stage all I'm right because <laughs> what a fun oh. headline, headline grabber that would be that would you know for the PR extra extra. You know, <laughs> I I'm fine to pass out on stage as long as it gets us good marketing. You know, what's funny so. is we've always said that we're like, if anything ever happens to me, like use it to your advantage. <laughs> yeah, just use the shit out of it. I, <laughs> like, I've also milk told the Chris, story, write a book. <laughs> I've also told Christina, I was like, the only way I'm going to get through this particular part of my medical journey is through humor. So like, if I yeah. pass out, if it's in a funny way, I'm going to need you to laugh really fucking hard. You're going to need it. to and take like, a photo, put it on TikTok, go viral. Yeah. yeah, do it. Do whatever you need career-wise. If I pass out, please. You know I will. And honestly, this obviously the same goes for you. Okay. Thank you. I Use appreciate it to that. your advantage. Get all the likes Oy. you can. Well, good luck to me and good luck to you. Uh, <laughs> good luck to everybody on any particular journey they're on. Yes. Uh, yes. And I guess uh, if you want to hang out more, we've got our after chat, and uh, I hope everyone goes and, and checks it out. Yeah, I'll tell you more about the birds of Kentucky. <laughs> Wee! Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and oh, that's whoa! Why we? Yeah, drink. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than two hundred seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio, and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.